Did you know that Jews have a different Bible? Let's find out why. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome to Torah for Christians. I am your host, Rabbi Jordan Parr. Which texts are sacred to Jews? And why don't Jews venerate the New Testament? All conversation starts with the Hebrew Bible. Many of you know this collection of sacred texts as the Old Testament, but Jews do not use that term. New means improved. For example, why use an Apple IIe when the MacBook is so much better? Why use Old Tide when there is a new and improved version? For many Christians, the New Testament is also the Word of God and is more relevant than the Hebrew Bible. We Jews prefer the original. We use the term Hebrew Bible, or in Hebrew, Tanakh. Tanakh is an acronym, Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketuvim, Torah, Prophets, and Writings. Torah contains the five books of Moses, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Nevi'im, Prophets, is for Jews the second section of the Bible. Ketuvim includes Psalms, Proverbs, and Lamentations. This order, of course, is different from a Christian Bible. Even some of the books of the Hebrew Bible are placed differently in a Christian one. Esther, Ruth, and Lamentations, for example, are among the prophetic works in the Christian version of the Bible, while the entire set of writings precedes the prophets. In the Tanakh, the writings come last. There is meaning to these different arrangements, which we will see as we dive deeper into Torah for Christians. So what books are holy to Christians, but not to Jews? The books that I call the Christian scriptures, the New Testament. We're talking here about the Gospels, Acts, letters of Paul and Revelations, among other books. As these books attest to Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, Jews do not consider them holy. To add to the fun, there is a whole set of books that Jews and Christians alike respect, but do not consider holy. These are the books of the Apocrypha, a Greek word that means hidden. Books such as 1st and 2nd Maccabees, Tobit, Judith, Ecclesiasticus, and the additions to Daniel and Esther are found here. For various reasons, neither faith considers them holy. They were instead, quote, hid away, unquote, mainly in monasteries to be read, but not revered. Now that's a lot already to unpack. So take a few seconds now to breathe deeply and reflect. We'll be right back and take a look at some other important and sacred Jewish books. Welcome back to Torah for Christians. I am Rabbi Jordan Parr. We're talking about great Jewish books. We've discussed the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, the differences between the Tanakh and the Old Testament, and a bit about how Jews and Christians read the Bible differently. But I have to say, and this may surprise you, for all the reverence that we Jews give to the Tanakh, we are not a biblical religion. 
Let me repeat this because it's important. Judaism is not a biblical religion. We are a faith rooted in the Bible, but filtered through the lens of the ancient rabbis who lived from about 100 years before the birth of Jesus. They were then called Pharisees until the 7th century of the Common Era. And they wrote a lot. Rabbinic literature includes the Mishnah, the Talmud, and the Midrash. Now, we don't know, quite know how the Pharisees came about or how they came to be called rabbis and developed the earliest layers of what became the teaching, the Mishnah, which was finalized in the second century of the Common Era. But we do know why it came about. Under Greek and later Roman rule, Judaism was forced to adapt to a rapidly changing and alluring world. If Judaism were to survive, we Jews had to preserve what was sacred while making major changes to the faith. We could not live by the Tanakh alone. These pressures, by the way, inspired the growth and development of many religions, including early Christianity. In its essence, Early Christianity was another Jewish response to the Roman world, a reinterpretation, as it were, of biblical Judaism. Here's an example. The biblical rules of the Sabbath state that there can be no fire in our homes during the day. The practical effect of this prohibition was that Jews sat in the dark while eating cold food. We realized that this was counter to the spirit of the day and was leading to the abandonment of Jewish practices. Shabbat was supposed to be restful, joyous, and celebrated universally amongst our communities. Yet how could we be joyous when we were shivering, tired, and hungry, especially when Greeks and Romans were warm, dry, and well-fed? This led to a major innovation. By means of exegesis, biblical interpretation, we determined that Jews would still not light any fires on the Sabbath day in keeping with the biblical mandate. But if a fire were burning before Shabbat began, we could let it burn throughout the day, as long as we did not add any more wood to the fire. So now, Jews could stay warm, get some sleep, and eat hot food. It might not seem much to us today, but to a Jew who never experienced electricity or gas heat, this was a major innovation. Laws like this were codified, organized, and collected in the Mishnah in the early third century of the Common Era in Palestine. And as soon as it was finalized, the rabbis began a commentary on the Mishnah, which came to be called the Gemara. Now, there were actually two Gemaras, one in Palestine and a more prominent one in Babylonia. The Palestinian version was closed in the fifth century, while the more authoritative Babylonian version was completed in the seventh century of the Common Era. This Talmud, as it is called, then encompassed about 800 years of Jewish thought. Mishnah plus Gemara equals Talmud, the supreme legal commentary in Judaism. As noted, one Talmud was completed in Tiberias, the other in Babylonia. Know, however, that when we talk about Talmud, Jews usually mean the Babylonian version. Many of us study it daily, even today. 
Along with the Talmud, we developed the Midrash. These are fun volumes, Bible-based stories and maxims for daily living. And they were told by the same rabbis who wrote the Mishnah and the Talmud. I think of them as collections of rabbi sermons, filling in the blanks that the Bible left us. These, by the way, are my favorite books. There are also later commentaries on the Talmud, such as Rashi or the Ran in the medieval times, law codes, such as Maimonides, philosophical treaties, again, Maimonides, and others. And they are still being written. And of course, there are prayer books. Lots of prayer books, hundreds of prayer books. That's the subject of a future podcast in and of itself. To summarize, the great Jewish books are Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, the Mishnah, Talmud, law codes, and prayer books. That's why we are called the people of the book. We have just so many books. I want to thank you for listening to Torah for Christians. If you enjoyed this podcast, please join us on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time on Clubhouse. You can also get more information with the links that I provide on our website, www.torahforchristians.com, and at our Facebook page, also Torah for Christians. A transcript of this podcast as well as other goodies, such as a summary of the weekly Torah portion, is available on Substack under Torah for Christians. And if you have questions, just send me a tweet at JMPER2 or message me through Facebook. I'll try to answer them personally or in an upcoming podcast. Next week, we'll tackle the big question. What do Jews think about Jesus? It's going to be interesting. Tell your friends and neighbors to tune in. Have a great day. And remember, how good and how pleasant it is for us to dwell together in unity. Till we see each other again. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this has been Torah for Christians.